0: Stephen Black is executive director with First Stone Ministries in Oklahoma City. He is one of the founders of Restored Hope Network, and he also serves on the board of directors for parents and friends of ex-gays and gays. Stephen has been married to his wife, Robin, since 1986, and they have three adult children and three grandchildren. And he also wrote the book, Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from labels.
1: I had some crisis living as a gay man. I'd been living gay identified for eight years during that time. And I had crisis in dealing with people that I was, um, well, uh, engaged to, living with, and being a part of that community. And as a result of all of this, I ended up partying with a, a girlfriend from high school uh, and we the next day went to her sister 's house, and these people were in love with Jesus, and they talked about Jesus in ways I had never heard before and I thought kind of they were crazy, honestly, because they were talking about Jesus answering their prayers and Jesus doing this for them and Jesus and I was just a bystander, I was just listening. And then all of a sudden, uh, this presence came over me while being in their home. And I heard this voice, and this voice said, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. And all I knew is my heart was racing and really about pounding out of my chest. And I knew I needed to make a decision just, just intrinsically. I knew I needed to know Jesus Christ like these people. And so I ended up telling the man who was sitting there, the women had all left the room, and it was just me and this other man. His name was Steve. And I said, I need to know Jesus like you people know Jesus. I don't know him like you. And he prayed with me, and that night everything changed. And I went home, and I got the – because my parents' priest had told me that it was okay to be gay and all the more reason to come to Mass, wink, wink, as he tried to seduce me. And so I wanted to know, what does the Bible have to say about this? And I went home and I flipped open this big table Bible. I mean, you know, from the Vatican, it's like, where am I going to find something? And I literally flipped it open and it landed on Leviticus 18. And my eyes fell down on the very verse I was praying for an answer. And it just shocked me. And I remember getting on my knees and asking the Lord to forgive me and to help me to change. I didn't know how to change. And Nancy, from then on, I was completely his. Jesus mm. began working. And I was a, you have to understand, it was pretty miraculous because I was a homosexual sex addict. I was an activist. I was a, a boy toy. I was part of the rich and famous in, in Oklahoma City And, um, it was a miracle that the Lord did this in such a way that it cut all of that, uh, the activity immediately. And then I had to deal with the grief and the sorrow of my life. Mm -hmm. So that's how I began walking out with Jesus in 1983.
0: Um, many people believe homosexuality is biological and it only creates, you know, further damage in them. What's the truth from your own experience?
1: Well, my, my own experience is that I had uh, amazing uh, experiences in the Word of God that brought the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and actual experiences with Him. But the, also the science is now more than ever on our side. In um, 2019 in August, uh, the largest study that has ever been conducted, it's called the Genome-Wide associative study with over 450,000 people involved in this it was a, a a joint effort from the united kingdom medical community and the medical community of the united states to prove that there was some genetic link and what they found is that there is zero none not a not one genetic link to homosexual uh, mindset or behavior now, what we do know, though, and what was stated even in that report, is the environmental factors by which a, a particular personality or a particular type of, of um uh, gifted individual and the way that they view themselves, these environmental factors mm-hmm. absolutely play a role on identity and uh, one's sexual development, especially when you look at the high numbers of people who, like my own story, were molested at 6, 10, 12. I was molested. And so there's a lot of sexual Abuse and or what we call sexual distortions, where high 90% of the people that we surveyed, we found had what were sexual distortions. So that would be graphic sex talk, graphic sexual information, uh, prepubescent. And so that brings in a lot of confusion uh, hmm. to people and then of course with sexual abuse and then if there's a breakdown in the family there's usually traumas uh mm-hmm. that need to be dealt with and for some people we have to have compassion because it can take years of of hard work and recovery from some of these traumatic things that have taken place in people that identify as LGBTQ
0: mm-hmm. the damage that's done is is uh tremendous to them in in so many ways and i'm sure and it was that way for
1: you it was it was terrible and it did take years to recover and uh you know i probably got married a little younger than what i should have it was 3 years into my journey uh i usually recommend that men really get a hold of a good you know uh healthy sense of their identity as male before they pursue the opposite sex cuz i minister mainly to men mm-hmm. and um Uh, But God used it and used my relationship with my wife, Robin, of going on 36 years, you know, um, and, you know, brought formation and helped even challenge some of the areas of, uh, you know, insecurities, fears, weaknesses, uh, places of even sexual sin uh, that needed to really be dealt with. And, that's what we need to do in the church is we need to disciple people. We need to really pastor people through the pain and the sorrow of their life. And, and I had to have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's no shame in that. There, it's just part of the process of what is becoming like Jesus, a Christian. So mm-hmm. it's what we call, you know, sanctification or becoming holy, separated mm-hmm. to God in our behavior. And then the mind can change. Mm-hmm. And you really can change your way of thinking uh, about your same sex and your opposite sex and dealing with what are like bitter root judgments. And it's, it's yeah. ironic, even in Hebrews, the, the, the idea of bitterness and it going and causing defilement is also in context of sexual immorality in that same passage of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we see it also in Romans 1 that many people deal with bitterness and unforgiveness and ungratefulness. And that was certainly true of my story Mm -hmm. because of being so sinned against. And some of these people that are living, you know, gay and proud and here and in your face, when you look at people like Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen DeGeneres, I mean, they have horrific molestation in their background Uh and and their anger and their hurt and their hatred of men. In. And, and the reason for it, it makes sense when you start looking at traumas.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Talking about churches, in your book, you were talking about a church named Exodus. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Exodus uh, was formed as a result of um, some people that wanted to bring ministry uh, to, to be able to bring the gospel. Exodus didn't get its charter until the 80s. There's this guy, Michael Bussey. He, he acts like he was one of the founders. He was an organizer, uh, but he was not a f- real founder of the charter, which was no not some kind of methodology, but the gospel, uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ that happened in about 83. And from then until 2000, it was a viable network of ministries that helped throughout the United States. First Stone, our ministry, was founded in 76 along with that network. And then unfortunately, in 2001, a man by the name of Alan Chambers was elected to be president. And he had a uh, pastor, surrogate daddy, uh, and um, a mentor, and became the chairman of... Exodus Clark Whitten, who wrote a book on really, it's pure antinomianism, which is hyper grace, which it it's kind of the same repackaged gnosticism uh, that Jesus confronted in Revelations two, the Nic- teaching of the Nicolaitans, which is it doesn't really matter what you do in your body. Psychology has already said there's an orientation, and grace covers everything, and so that became the teaching. As a result of that, Exodus imploded. Um, a lot of us that were in leadership, I was the uh, chairman of the ministry council. I'm the one who brought the Matthew 18 process and one of seven founders of the Restored Hope Network uh, that brought a charge to remain biblically orthodox with all of these other organizations. And there's about 60 Uh, that continue to do the frontline work, even though Alan Chambers went on uh, Oprah's network and Lisa Ling and said nobody changes and we're all closing up shop. And it's not true. The ministry has continued on. And we've been, you know, the last ten years continuing to thrive and help people find lasting freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a whole new network called the Restored Hope Network, and um, and our ministry was a part of that. And we continue to do the work of ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. So in churches, then you since we're talking about churches, um, what what are they talking about in the gay church?
1: Well, we have a new movement that started in the Presbyterian Church of America and the Southern Baptist Church, and that is called Revoice, and they're these players that are taking a step that is sort of one, maybe one step towards the gospel in the idea of what is called side A and side B. So there's side B um, and on our website, we have an article that is, uh, describes this, the differing views. And side B are people that call themselves LGBTQ Christian, but they want to be celibate. And yet they're not really celibate. They have strong sex drives, and they're strongly attracted to their same sex. And so they're abstainers. They're not really being called to celibacy. And, and I applaud them. For that, I I think it's great that they want to be abstainers. Uh, But what they're doing is they're trying to redefine this idea that, uh, according to Mark Yarhouse and D.A. Carson, uh, a white paper uh, that was presented to the Gospel Coalition in 2010, that there's a new group of people that the church must embrace called sexual minorities, and that's based upon the American Psychological Association of Orientation. And that the church, the evangelical church, must accept these people because they can't change. Well, what they're doing, Nancy, is they're truncating the gospel. Because the gospel, like Paul said in Romans 1, it is the power of God. And like he said in Second Second Timothy, they have a... A religion, but they deny the power of the grace of God, and so they're they 're trying to make exception for orientation or what are like Paul said in Romans one unnatural behaviors and unnatural affections to be legitimized mm-hmm. so this is what 's happening in the church in a nutshell it 's called the revoice movement and uh, and it 's basically. One step away from gay marriage being accepted in the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Many churches are accepting this lifestyle now. Um, yeah, and then there
1: are like we have Episcopal, Methodist, Catholics, many Catholics, um, many um, um, Orthodox. We used to be. Um, Um, high church liturgical type churches that have completely embraced gay Christianity. Mm. And that's practicing homosexuality. Mm. In other words, they sanction the idea of blessing a same sex union and say, and and actually communicate that it is a good thing uh, before God. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, Nancy, I, I, I fear for those people because I know what the Bible clearly says in Ephesians 5. You know, they talk about the clobber verses, but my go-to verse is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, which says you can know with certainty that no sexually immoral person, and that means any form of sexual immorality, or idolater, or greedy, covetous man has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. And then Paul says right after that, do not be deceived. With people having empty words about these things, because the wrath of God is on those who practice disobedience. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at that, and I think about these people being so deceived as to assault the imago Day of God, the image of God, I can't do anything but pity them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel such um, grief and sorrow and not judgment uh, because they're completely yes. deceived by Satan. Yes. And that's what that banner means. You know, it's a six-bane banner, and it's actually called a pride banner. And pride comes before the destruction. Absolutely. And they're actually waving a banner that means pride coming before destruction. Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: going to shift now because I'm, I want to talk about what's going on in the schools Um, And, you know, where this is headed and why parents are losing their rights to what their kids are are, uh, being uh, taught.
1: Um, We know that the National Education Association has, from the propaganda from the LGBTQ plus sign community, have fully embraced a political ideology from the American Psychological Association. So um, we we know that the diagnostic standard of for um, mental illness in in '73 um, was they removed homosexuality. Then it has progressed now through the American Psychological Association that the idea of in orientation is legitimate. Mm -hmm. And from a Christian worldview, we know that that is behavior and desire. Mm -hmm. And so we know biblically that those things can change. And matter of fact, most of the time, desire in Scripture is looked at as something that is not pleasing to God. Now, not always, but most of the verses. And so what has happened now is in the National Education Association you have these players that now demand that every family, every school system must embrace the idea that this is normal, that you can have two mommies or two daddies. And it begins now in kindergarten all the way through up through higher learning in the United States. And just this week, even yesterday, was President Biden's, um, Proclamation of Trans uh, Celebration Awareness Day. And so the transgender movement has seen a skyrocketing of elementary school kids wanting to be the opposite gender because of this confusion and chaos that is allowed to come in to the education systems mm-hmm. of America.
0: What can parents do? Well,
1: that is a great question. Um, and um, it is a hard one. If they're going to be involved in the public school systems, they need to be involved all the way. And they need to be involved in a way that says we need to get back to the fundamentals of reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, science, and history, rather than ideology. And this nonsense that an XY human being can become an XX a male be to become a female, or an XX, a female to become an XY, and we need to confront it, and parents need to confront this. Uh, really, it's an ideology. It's, it's secular humanism that has come into our schools, and it is a religion, and people need to recognize that. The other thing parents can do, Robin and I did this, homeschool, and as hard as that may be, I am a high proponent of homeschooling because <coughs> excuse me because then you can control what is actually being taught what is coming into the mind of your child mm-hmm. and you know our children from kindergarten especially up through about 10 11 years of age they do not need their innocence robbed from them mm-hmm. if we can protect them even from the world and the understanding of uh, sexuality then we should do so. Unless you're living in an agrarian farm community and you see reproduction, you might explain reproduction. But the, the reality is, is that we need to teach our children from a biblical worldview and the beauty of what God has created in male and female and in the animal kingdom, uh, and it's not homosexual. It's not perverse. Mm-hmm. Even though there are anomalies in the gay communities, you know, they they like to point to dominance in the animal kingdom, but that's not homosexual at all. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we really do need to uh, look at that or Christian schools. And, and if you're going to be involved in a Christian school, I know this is hard to hear, but it's even permeating our Christian schools now. Mm -hmm. And we need to really be on top of it as parents to be involved to find out what is going to be taught uh, concerning identity and sexuality.
0: Mm -hmm. So many parents, they can't afford to go that route. And some are working hard for them to do homeschooling. So there's got to be a way for them to just you know, harness this and understand what their kids are being taught. And, and you're gonna have to, be,
1: know, involved. Have to in. be involved. And gotta step in. Yes.
0: Yeah. Gotta step in. No matter how hard it is, because there's a lot of parents that don't agree. You know, there's a lot of parents that, that say, Oh, you know, it's okay for my kid to be taught this, you know, and and it and then if you go up against them, that's even harder. So um just what what is the balance between faithfulness to God's word and loving homosexuals
1: well I, I I think it squarely lands on the gospel that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins and that we use our own testimonies and revelation of the great kindness and mercy of God that has led us to repentance mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people ask the question, how do I, you know, minister to my gay identified loved one? Well, are you living a uncompromised, godly Christian life yourself because you believe? And when you do that, you are just by the demonstration of your life, you are going to be loving a person and, and presenting the gospel. Now, I love the St. Augustine or St. Francis. It's attributed to both of them, their quote, which is, um, preach the gospel all day long, and if necessary, use words. But we know, according to the letter of Paul, Romans 10, that we have to preach the gospel. We have to, we have to eventually speak it. But it is so imperative for, for it to begin with us, That the gospel is real to us and that we live it out so that when we are with gay identified people, we can talk about the loveliness and the beauty of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, what we have found is a lot of times, and this was true of my story, I was in an engineering department. I was studying to be an architect when I got saved, and they didn't make it about my homosexuality. And the people that in the engineering department were all Christians. And they, they made it about the loveliness of the gospel. Now, one of my friends kept talking about eschatology and end time stuff, and that kind of made me afraid a little bit. But it was good. You know, the fear of the Lord uh, was one of the very beginning parts of my salvation, right? He said, if you don't accept me tonight, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But living a life of faith before people is so important i can't I cannot emphasize that enough, and then for parents who have um, maybe maybe they did something wrong, maybe they you know i've never met a perfect parent, Robin and I have you know looked at our all of our kids are we're empty nesters and we look back and we go, you know we made some mistakes right no perfect parent mm-hmm. but if a parent will go and admit their wrongs and ask for forgiveness. And uh, especially if they were curt, or mean concerning gay people, or, you know, made jokes or whatever. I mean, a lot of people are guilty of that kind of stuff, because they did find the behavior repulsive. Mm -hmm. And if their children struggle with that, then it it makes them feel like that they are repulsive to them. Mm -hmm. And so to have these honest, Levels of dialogue and love and forgiveness so important. It sets the child free to be able to turn their heart back towards home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know um there are people that you know they send their kids to college. That you know, or the kid, or the their child is now starting a work and um discovering the gay lifestyle. And you know, sometimes I'm I'm sure it's breaking a heart of, of parents. You know. Um, do you have anything that you could say to them?
1: Well, absolutely. Parents really, and we, we have this matter of fact, it's happening tonight, a parent, family, and friends support group. Uh, There's a a website called PFOX. I'm actually on the board of parent, family, and friends of ex-gays and gays. And um, parents really, really need resources Uh, to empower them and to encourage them. Uh, I was also involved in a documentary project with uh, American Family Association. Uh, There is a new movie that just came out called In His Image, and it's actually free to watch online, inhisimage.movie. And on their website, they have additional resources and videos that answer a lot of the questions that parents have. And then PFOX, uh, they also have a, a, a series of videos that answer questions as well with a, um, a, a manual called Safe Exit. And so there are lots of resources out there. Parents really need um, other people to help them in what is really a grief support group because you're dealing with a major loss and a lot of times um, shame a lot of shame. Um, it might be because of the church they attend and they love their church, but they just don't feel like they can talk about this in their church. Well, these support groups really, really help them. And then eventually it can change. We've seen some families, even because of their boldness, change their whole community to start dealing with these issues mm-hmm. um, in a reformed Dutch um, uh, community in um, Michigan, I I had the the delight to speak in one of those communities. And it was a really kind of hard environment. But now they're dealing with it forthrightly, because the families that are dealing with their children, embracing homosexuality and transgenderism. Mm -hmm. So working on your own uh, broken heart first, with people that are safe enough, to process the pain and the grief and the sorrow, Mm -hmm. and then asking Jesus how he might use you.
0: Mm. So how can this book help someone who may be struggling with a gay
1: lifestyle? (coughs) Excuse me, Nancy. Well, I tell my own story, and then I give an overview of the root causes of homosexuality. Now, in this book, it was just an overview. My second book I'm writing, it's going to deal, uh, it's going to blow up some of those points uh, and the practical avenues of ministry. In this book, I think it's chapter nine, that deal with um, how you can make a difference in somebody who is struggling. But some of those things also apply to the person who is struggling and understanding their own need. I also talk about what works and what doesn't work and the reason why people fall away, why they go back. And it really is a a checking of the motivation of your heart on why you even want to be a Christian. Why do you, why do you say you want to leave homosexuality? Is it really for the right reasons? And uh, once a person is on the right track with first and foremost, loving God, and then cultivating the relationship that they need with the Lord, they can deal with these issues. And so this book really does a pretty thorough job of that. And the other thing that's very different about this book than all other books on homosexuality is it has a survey in it of 25 years of client folders that conclusively showed that people that gave at least one year of their life, many of them more, A pastoral care and support group found lasting freedom, 72%. And then there are 16 other leaders that also contributed. One of my favorite is David Call Foster, the last one, which is how do you really find freedom? And these people have over 20 years of experience of ministry and they contributed as well. So it's not about me. It's really about the truth and really about the gospel of Jesus changing people's lives. And this book is about freedom that really can be realized. Thank
0: you so much for this wonderful interview that I know has grabbed someone's heart and mind and maybe helped them with their struggles with this today so thank you so much you can get steven's book freedom realized finding freedom from homosexuality and living a life free from labels at amazon
1: or on his website firststone.org or the book has its own website freedomrealized.org
0: thank you for watching the call we hope you learned more about jesus through this video you can have a relationship with jesus Just invite him into your life, repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Until next time, may the Lord be with you. For more information about this ministry, go to the call with nancycebedo.com where we are leading you to Christ through stories and teaching.